Amen. Well, thank you all for coming. <laughs> Amen. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna continue with what we uh, started last week, um, talking about sheep and shepherds. All right. So uh, we're gonna start off with uh, John uh, chapter ten, and um, you know, just a reminder we talked about last week that. Uh, the sheep and the shepherd relationship is all throughout the Bible, the Old and the New Testament, and it, you know, it shows God's relationship with us. But not only that, but how our relationship should be with others, right? So it, you know, we would attribute a lot of times to just a, the pastor. And um, actually, I was just sitting there, and it was dawning on me that it's actually how we should all treat other people, because uh, you know, sometimes we may have people up under us, we may have mentees up under us. And sometimes we, we may have to shepherd them, right? <laughs> it just don't know me. <laughs> That's a little inside thing. <laughs> Something we were discussing before service. So, but literally that, that, that just don't know me. So, and I wasn't applying to that, but but it actually does. So, never mind. I'm, 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 I'm distracting myself. All right. So John chapter uh, ten. You know, really. I started reading John chapter 10, what I didn't mention last week, you know, really, that John, you know, what John, he put here, obviously John, uh, 10 is after 9, right? But we have to take into consideration, really, it should all be one chapter, really. And we're, we're going to touch a little bit in uh, John chapter 9, and John chapter 9 is dealing with the blind man, all right? And, and that explains Jesus' dialogue here in chapter 10, but we're starting uh, verse 1 here, all right? I'll probably be reading uh, verse 16. Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet will, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, depending on your translation, it may say parable, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Let's stop right there. All right, so I talked about last week how the shepherds would get together. Well, they would have the sheep go into a pen, and sometimes it could be a, a cave area. But he, uh, the notes here um, in verse 3 talks about the doorkeeper. Actually, going back up, well, no, we'll start there, the doorkeeper, right? So, the doorkeeper was not necessarily shepherd, right? If you didn't have a doorkeeper, the doorkeeper could be the shepherd, but the doorkeeper was the one that would allow the shepherds to come in. So, I talked about the video uh, last week, how people were calling and the sheep were not coming, but when the shepherd came, when the shepherd came and called the sheep, the sheep's ears perked up and the sheep came. So, when the doorkeeper is there and the doorkeeper opens, it would be hard for somebody to come and steal a sheep because if somebody, if a stranger comes in and starts trying to give a signal, trying to call a sheep, the sheep is not going to pay attention. The sheep is not, so the doorkeeper is going to know right away that that's not a shepherd. His sheep is not there in the pen. So, so going up to uh, verse 1, he says, most surely I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. So in other words, because that, that person that's trying to come in and steal the sheep, 
he can't come in like a normal shepherd. He's going to have to come in some other way. He's going to mm -hmm. have to come in a back way. Right? He, he's going to have to come through the fence to try to steal the sheep. Mm -hmm. Right? And then think about it. The sheep's not going to hear his call, but the sheep will come to food. Right? So he, he can get some food out and try to lure the sheep in to try to steal the sheep. Right? So now we, if that goes back, we have to be careful on who we allow ourselves to listen to mm -hmm. and bring in the word. Amen. Because it says here what? Uh, Alright, uh, verse 5, yet they will by no means follow a stranger. A stranger there means an enemy, right? So an enemy can be anybody that is not lined up with the Word of God. Amen. That includes these uh, pastors and stuff that are teaching the wrong things, right? They're, they're, the, they're the enemy of God. Alright, so they will not listen to a, they, they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. So it should be foreign to us. Right? So we should be that much in tune with the word of God and the truth that when someone starts speaking something, it's like, well, that don't make sense. That does not make sense. Right? And immediately we should be able to cut it off and turn away from it. Right? But sometimes that's not what we do. Sometimes, I think I mentioned this last week, sometimes we may entertain it a little bit longer and say, well, I know this person. Let me see where they're going. Right? We have to be careful. Because what happens is when we allow that stuff to get in us and we know it's wrong, it's clearly separating our relationship with God. Right? So it should be the pure things. And that goes back to, I was going to talk about it later, but I can talk about it now. Even with the news, radio, all that stuff, uh, the internet, we have to be careful of those things because all that stuff if it's not lined up with the Word of God, it's actually severing our relationship with God. It actually pulls us further away from Him instead of us getting closer to Him. So like the Word says in James 4 and 8, draw nigh to Him and He will draw nigh to us. If we allow those things to come into our spirit, now we're not drawing nigh to Him. We're actually going away. And then sometimes we, we're going to be like, Lord, where are you? I need you today. Where, where are you? But it, we need to reflect back what did we allow to come into our spirit. Because I guarantee you, it's going to affect our prayer life. One way or the other. Amen. Alright, uh, verse 7. So now Jesus goes on to explain a little bit more here. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So he's saying, look, I am the door. Right? He's saying, I am the door. So he's the doorkeeper. He's going to say here in a little bit that he's a true shepherd. But he's saying, I'm the door. And I, I mentioned this last week. All whoever, uh, verse 8, sorry. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So in other words, there is no other way into the church, into the kingdom of God, except through Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? We, right. We, we know recently there are people out there saying, well, there's multiple ways. All you have to do is be good. There is no other way. Amen. Except through Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't care what anybody else says. That's what the scripture says. Amen. Right? There, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you're not born again, you're not in the church. Right? And I'm not talking about a church building. Because we're, we're going to see here in chapter 9, it has nothing to do with a church building. It has nothing to do with a synagogue. That's right. Alright, so let's look at verse 10. Very familiar verse here. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life. And that they may have it more abundantly. So, now, we know we've heard these scriptures, this particular scripture, because we quoted it, we probably prayed it, right? So, who's the thief? Yeah, so. 
Satan. No. Nope. <laughs> this scripture ain't got nothing to do with the devil right there. Alright, because that goes back into it. We're going to get into chapter 9 here a little bit. The, the thief here is actually false teachers. It's the religious leaders. Right? So, because what, it, it, and for years, I thought it was the devil. Why? Because that's what was being taught. Right? But it's actually false teachers there. And actually, if, if you look at it in the original, it's, 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 uh, it actually means false teachers, but also means robbers. Right? Pirates. Right? So, what, what, is a, what is a pirate? A person who appropriates or reproduces the work of another for profit without permission. Right? So, that's what, this, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, look, he's coming to give abundant life. The abundant life he's talking about has nothing to do with money. But we've heard these prosperity preachers, they use that for, for, for money. Right? It has nothing to do with, he's giving eternal life. That's what he's trying to say here. I'm giving eternal life because the religious leaders were trying to put a yoke on the people. And they were trying to say, look, you do it our way. You do what we're telling you to do, and you, and you be a part of the synagogue here. And Jesus saying, no, it has nothing to do with the synagogue. It has nothing to do with a building. It has nothing to do with the church. I am the way. All right, verse 11. So here Jesus already said he's the, he's the doorkeeper. Now he's saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd... One who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. So, let's stop right there. So, a hireling, I, I think I touched on this last week, that a hireling is basically a wage worker. Right? So, it is somebody that has no ties to the sheep, does not care. Right? They're going to be there just to watch, just to get paid. It's all about them. So now when the wolf comes, the enemy comes, they can care less about the sheep. They're going somewhere else because it's about protecting themselves more than the sheep. Right? So Jesus, the true shepherd, is going to protect the sheep first. Right? And even as pastors and other shepherds, we're to protect the sheep. Right? And it, I, I talked about it last week that even if somebody's down, something is off, pastors should be able to see that. Right? Pastors should be able to see that. Because if they know the sheep and they and they care about the sheep, then they're gonna take care of the sheep. Amen. Because Jesus set the ultimate example here. Right? And prayerfully we may get to a scripture here uh, in a little bit that describes how true shepherds compared to false shepherds, bad shepherds. Alright, I am the good shepherd, verse 14, and I know my sheep. There you go. I know my sheep and am, am known by my sheep. I know my sheep. In other words, right, so that shepherd, even the under-shepherd, pastor, should recognize the gifts in his people. Right? What we've come to do in the modern-day church, we get used to knowing people by the natural. Right? Oh, what do you do? Are you married? And that's how churches have come become accustomed to doing it. And that's not a necessarily a bad thing, right? But somehow, someway, you should know the giftings in your people, right? And if you don't know the giftings in the people, something wrong with that. Then you don't know your sheep. Hmm. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. So I talked about that last week. How we should just be one body. Right? Whether, whether we, 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 we come together and meet here, whether we're traveling overseas to El Salvador, Africa, if we go into a house of worship, 
It should be one family. We should be at home. Now, I know I've been in churches where I visited, I've gone on vacation, rather going to reserve, and every time I went away for the reserve, I made a point to find a church. I knew when I was home. Right? They didn't know me by the flesh, but they knew me by the spirit. They knew when I was home. Oh, I knew when I was home, and they recognized me as a brother in Christ. Right? And then I've been in churches where I was a foreigner. It was strange in there, right? Because the spirit of the Lord wasn't in there. Right? So we we have to keep that in mind. We have to keep that in mind. All right, let's turn to uh, let's go on chapter over, chapter nine. I'm not going to read all this. All right, so just prefaces the beginning here. This is coming up where they see the blind man and the disciples are asking Jesus, "Well, who sinned, this man or his parents?" Right? And Jesus says, "Neither one of them sinned." Right? But he says here in verse three. Neither, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So understand, when God created man, he created man for Adam and Eve not to sin, and that none of us would have any birth defects. Right? But because of their sin, we're, we're, we're bound, well not us per se, but some people are bound with certain birth defects. Right? That is the result of sin. But all throughout here... All throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus going about healing people, people who can't hear, people who, uh, who can't talk, people who are lame, people who are blind here, right? Because those are the, he came to destroy the works of sin, right? And that, those things, are the, those ailments are the works of sin. All right, so let's look at verse 7 real quick. All right, so this is after Jesus. He, uh, he, uh, puts spit and clay and he puts that on his eyes and he tells he tells the blind man here, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore, they said to him, how will your eyes open? He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Alright, let's jump down to verse 22. Actually, no. Let's go to uh, 16. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not, not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. So he's talking about Jesus. Right? They're talking about Jesus here. Jesus did a, a miracle here, right? But they're worrying about the Sabbath, right? They're worrying about a day. They're not, they could care less about this man receiving his sight, but they're more concerned about the day than the sheep. Amen. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, 
he will be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So his parents recognized the miracle, but they were afraid to speak, all because they were about to be excommunicated out of the synagogue. Right? So this is what the Pharisees were, were the religious leaders were holding this over the people's head, saying, if you're saying Jesus is the Messiah, if you're saying he is the king, then we're going to kick you out of the synagogue. Right? There's a problem with that. So that, that should not be taking place. So the synagogue represented the synagogue was a representation of them allowing them to know that they were part of God, they were part of God's people. So you kick them out of the synagogue now, they're left on their own. It's just like even in the Old Testament where they get, you know, somebody commits a sin and then they get put out of the camp. Right? Now they're not a part of Israel. Even though they, you know, God says, well, you can forgive them after a certain period of time. Come on back. But isn't that something now you get put out from the synagogue? And now, you know, you, you can't identify with the Romans, right? And now you can't even identify with your own people, the Jewish people, right? All because you, you want to know, you see the truth, and you recognize the truth, but they're, they're holding a yoke of bondage over you. And, and they're forcing you to, 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 to keep quiet. And, and not not tell people it's true. So, isn't it something that these parents here, they were afraid to to address the miracle of their son, even though they had to have known. They had to know because it says here in one of the verses that they went back and the whole his whole neighborhood they knew. So the parents had to know. Yeah. So they called the man who was buying. This is actually a funny transaction between the Pharisees and the blind man. So they again called. The man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. <laughs> then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already. And you did not listen. Right? That's a funny transaction. He's telling them already, but they don't want to listen. They basically want him to lie. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. Now, here they are trying to say that Moses' disciple, Moses is dead. Right? It, it, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> They're trying to... They, they, here you got the Messiah that's right before him. And if the people could see it, how could the religious leaders not see it? Right? You had to purposely look the other way. Verse 29, we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, why this is a marvelous thing, why this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of a God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could not do anything, do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. So they threw him out of the synagogue. All for speaking the truth. Right? Because sometimes these religious leaders, they don't want to hear the truth. They want to keep the racket going. Why? Do what I say, not what I do. And we see this today in a lot of churches. Do what I say, not what I do. Hmm. 
fire. And we talk about the scripture where it says, you know, leave the 99 and go find the one. This is it right here. Amen. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? So think about this. Jesus heard that they cast this man out of the synagogue. Jesus went looking for him. Jesus went looking for him. The true shepherd went looking for the lost sheep. Verse 36, he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be blind. Then some of the Pharisees who, some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you see. Now you say we see. Therefore, your sin remains. So they knew what they were doing. They, they knew what they were doing. And they kicked this man out. For what? For getting healed? And trying to speak the truth? There's a problem with that. <laughs> I've, I've read this chapter a hundred times. I've never seen that before. Huh? I read this chapter at least a hundred times. Mm -hmm. I've never seen that. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize they kicked that man out of yeah. the church. <laughs> Jesus came to find him. Oh yeah. And I've read this a hundred times. Yeah. And, and, and I mean that that's just amazing that Jesus heard and Jesus went looking for him. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Oh man, dude. He, he's good. Wow. So, so John 14 and 6 says, Jesus said to him, I, excuse me. Yeah. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Right? So, like I said, there is no other way. Right? So, the religious leaders here, again, trying to put a yoke of bondage upon the people. Saying, hey, you come to and do this our way. Right? Now, you get closer to God. Right? You pay us this, and we'll pray over you to take your sins away. Right? That's religion. Let's turn to uh, Matthew 23, I think it is. Jesus kept it real. Alright, verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. Alright? That's a mouthful right there. Alright? Do not do according to their works. Right? It's the same thing can be applied today. Right? If there's corporate prayer call and the pastor of the church ain't showing up, there's something wrong with that. Mm. There's something wrong with that. If you have prayer, and I ain't talking about no Facebook or YouTube prayer, either, <laughs> because you got these apostles on YouTube holding prayer for two hours, and again, they by themselves. But if they ain't showing up, the pastor of the church calling corporate prayer, and they ain't showing up, something wrong with that. Wow. Amen. Yeah. 
they're going to get mad at me today. So I'm talking about the pastor. They're going to get mad at me when I say this. Just like in service, and they in the back while praise and worship going on, talking and everything else. Something wrong with that. They need to be called on the carpet about that too. They should be out there with the people Amen. doing worship. Not trying to make a grand entrance, just like we're going to see that these religious leaders do. Mm. That's right. If everybody was worshiping the Lord and the pastor just sitting there, not doing anything, something wrong with that. Something wrong with that. Verse 4. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are, and you are all brethren. So here, the religious leaders, they wanted the oculates. Right? They, they wanted the position just for the oculates. Right? Just like we may see today. Well, you call me Pastor So-and-so. You call me Apostle So-and-so. Right? If you need that title to define who you are, something wrong with that. Amen. Something wrong with that. that. That should be a check in your spirit. Verse 9. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. We don't have to go about trying to prove something to people. Just continue along the way. Right? And we see plenty of testimonies that all throughout from the Old Testament to the New Testament of servants who are humble. Right? And God exalts them in due time. Right? Because God has an appointed time for everything. Right? Sometimes we as man, we want to rush things. Right? But God's just saying, hold on. Continue to maintain. Stay behind the shepherd. He's got you. Right? Because Jesus is always leading us the way. He's leading the way. Right? That's why he's giving us the Holy Spirit. Right? The one called alongside the help who dwells in us. Amen. 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 Verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Mm. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Mm. Woe to you. Oh, this is a good one here. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one... You make him twice as much a son of hell <laughs> as yourselves. Mm. Lord. <laughs> yeah, Lord. I told you, Jesus, Jesus kept the real. He kept the right. Yeah, he kept the real, right? The truth. Exactly. The truth, right? And, and we see this today. We, we see this today. See, there's nothing new under the sun. Why? Because that same spirit that was in those religious leaders is the same spirit that is manifesting itself mm. on churches and pastors and leaders today. Right, they 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 they're creating things and and they 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 take advantage, especially especially these these pastors. Right, they take advantage of men with low self-esteem, mm -hmm. men who have been hurt, men who didn't have the daddy around. They take advantage of them and say, "Stay up mm -hmm. under me, follow me," and then they follow them around like ducks. <laughs> right? They follow them around like little baby ducks and thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna get that anointing. I'm gonna get that anointing." Right. 
<laughs> you know how you go on YouTube and uh, you know there's certain videos that have come up. I went on YouTube. I didn't watch the video because I saw the title and I said I ain't watching this. <laughs> but uh, the video came up and it was uh, it was profiting somebody and the title was God told me to tell you that people are gonna that people are jealous of your anointing. Right? But this is nonsense that we get. Why are we talking about that? Right? Why aren't we teaching people, hey, you can tap into that anointing. Amen. Right? God's not a respecter of person. God has called each and every believer into the ministry. But we use things like that and we try to manipulate people. Right? And that's what a lot of these pastors are doing. They're manipulating people. And I know they're probably going to watch this and they're probably going to be upset. I don't care. Alright? If you, The truth. <laughs> Right? Because what happens is, matter of fact, let, 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 let's, uh, let's go to Ezekiel 34. Actually, first, before we do that, go to uh, Jeremiah 23. See, these are scriptures they're not going to read to you. Why? Because it holds the pastor accountable. They don't want to be held accountable. They want to hold everybody else accountable, but they don't want to be held accountable. Alright? So, woe to the sheep. Verse 1, sorry. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and, do, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where where I have driven them, and bring them back to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. Verse 4, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Let's go to Ezekiel 34. Amen. See how many times y'all heard this read in church? Because this tells you what a shepherd shouldn't be. And then what a true shepherd should be in Jesus. Ezekiel 34, 34 uh, verse 1. Still see people turning. saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? This should be a hit to some of these uh, mega passes with all these million dollar jets. You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who are sick nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. So understand. Now, Granted, he's talking about Israel and their leaders and rulers, but the principle still applies today, right? So, 
Not only not feeding them with the natural things, but not feeding them with the true word, which is spiritual things, to help people grow. So when you don't give the true word, and when you're not teaching the true word of God, now your sheep begin to get weakened. Mm -hmm. And now they begin to get scattered everywhere. And now they start partaking of everything that they shouldn't be partaking mm -hmm. in. Because they're not getting the truth. Verse was that? Um, that was six. Okay, thank you. Uh, verse seven. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my my flock. Stop right there. I just got something right there. So became food for every beast. How some start out as Christians and then go out and join other religions. Mm-hmm, yeah. Go out, become Muslims, become uh, black Hebrew, uh, become uh, Jehovah Witness, become Mormons. You know, that shouldn't be. That's scattering the flock. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. that was going to say that. <laughs> One Catholic, but I know. So you preach blame Phil for that. <laughs> you see <my> face. <laughs> verse 10 thus says the Lord behold I am against the shepherds and I will require my flock at their hand I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more for I will deliver my flock from their mouths that they may no longer be food for them so understand see what we've come we've gotten so far away from the early church and, and, and we kind of made things up as we've gone because the early church, when you look at the early church, they went and sold possessions, right, for everybody to have. So it wasn't necessarily everybody taking care of, I said this before, of the people out in the world, but making sure the, the sheep in the house, yeah. the Christians were being taken care of, right? Now we've gotten so far because we, we've heard pastors say, oh, yeah, we should have banks and this. That ain't got nothing to do with it, all right? We, we don't need all that because if you think about it, you know, just in this room, we, we, we have enough. And, and actually, we talked about it, I think, Wednesday, I think, or Sunday. You know, because Carr said she called Rachel and referenced it. And Rachel said, what? I'll have my son come over and cut your grass. Right? And then just that quick, when you're talking about it, about your lawnmower being broke, Marie said, well, bring it. My husband can fix it. Right? And then now, same thing. If you got something wrong with your house, plumbing, call Philip. Right? That's how it should be, right? We taking care of one another, but we don't do that, right? And then we always go out into the world, right? We, we have to go out to the unsaved, the lost, and, and then and not that, yeah, some of them are good at their jobs, right? But how about keeping things in the house, right? And taking and that, go again, goes back to 25, what we read last week, right? Feeding those who are hungry, taking care of, taking care of the sheep, taking care of the sheep. That's what we, we, we should be doing, right? But we don't do that, right? And it's just like I said last week, right? We're more concerned about taking care of the outside needs, right? So we can get them in and build up the ministry instead of building the flock. And that's how the flock becomes skinny and then the shepherd becomes fat and big, right? Because they're full and it's all about their needs. All right. Oh, uh, All right. Verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among 
his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy day and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There, there they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. Oh, let's keep going. Verse 17. And as this actually ties back to uh, what we read last week between uh, Jesus coming back and separating the sheep and the goats. Uh, verse 17. And as for you, O my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. Is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture and to have drunk of the clear waters that you must foul the residue with your feet? And as for my flock, they eat what you have trampled with your feet, and they drink what you have fouled with your feet. So we can stop right there. But this is like, hey, the shepherd, the leaders, taking care of themselves, but not taking care of the sheep. Again, the shepherd, the leaders, sitting at the front of the table, right, and not concerned about anybody else. Basically giving them the scraps, things like that. That shouldn't be. That's not a true shepherd. That's not a true shepherd. Amen. Alright, so we can get ready to close uh, with this. Let's go to familiar psalm, Psalm 23. So this is the most popular song here, right? It's, it's, it's an example of David's childlike trust in God, right? Because he's saying the Lord is his shepherd. Alright. Oh, page is still turning. Psalm, Psalm 23. 23. Yeah. Verse 1, verse 6. Alright, so David's saying here, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. So, what, what is a green pasture? It's a pleasant place. Right? So, if the Lord is our shepherd, we should be in pleasant places. Right? He, he's going to see about us. He's going to take care of us. Right? We, we really don't have a need to worry about. Right? He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. So in other words, restore. He turns back. He, he recovers us. So again, this goes back to James 4 and 8. Right? Draw near to him. Right? He's going to draw near to us. Right? So we, we're not going to be, we shouldn't be fatigued. We shouldn't be weary like that. If we're getting weary and we feel tired and, and, and dry, which we shouldn't be feeling dry as Christians, then we need to get back into His presence. Amen. And we need to be restored. Amen. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? We start right there. So walk right there means to live. It's a man of life, right? So that that's so though I live. Through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, death is what? Darkness. Distress. Dangers. Just look at this world alone. Right? So even though we're here, right? But because we're his sheep, 
he's going to see about us. Amen. Right? As a shepherd, he's going to lead us, right? Amen. He's going to say, if we're listening, Jesus. he's going to say, hey, don't go there. Yes. Amen. Or, hey, turn here. Yes. I need you to minister to somebody. Hallelujah. Right? That's right? Turn here because this person needs prayer. That's right. I want you to pray for this person. Amen. Right? Thank you, Jesus. And who was it? Just like he did, what was it? Uh, Ananias and Paul? Right? Well, he was Saul at the time. Right? And Ananias had to trust him. Yeah. He had to trust him. Right? Because all Ananias knew was Saul was killing Christians mm -hmm. and persecuting them. But he trusted in God that much. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I now, ask you. yourself this. Are you willing to trust God that much mm -hmm. if he sends you into somewhere that's dangerous? Amen. Knowing somebody that, that they're murdering believers and God says, go. Mm -hmm. Are you going to trust him as your shepherd? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I will fear no evil. Evil being unpleasant, irritating, miserable, bad, displeasing. All right? I, doesn't matter what, what's going on in the world. Right? We know Jesus is still Lord. And that's part of that abundant life. That, that, that's that abundant life that that's he has right. given us. Right? Alright? So for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You're, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. In other words, your cup's running over. So we should be saturated with his presence. Right? That, that, that's how much we should be seeking and going into his presence that we become saturated with his presence. That Again, that goes back to ministering out of overflow. Yes. Because if we don't minister out of overflow, then it becomes our strength. Mm. Amen. And then if it becomes our strength, now we start thinking, well, God, I think you're telling me to do this. Amen. I think you want me to minister. And then we miss it. Say, I think I missed you, God. No, God didn't tell you to go. Mm. Right? Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. So sure, mercy here actually means faithfulness. So surely, goodness and faithfulness shall follow me. Follow me means it's going to chase you down. It's going to chase you down and overtake you. So no matter where we go, His mercy, His faithfulness, right? So as long as we're seeking Him on a continual basis, right? His mercy and faithfulness is going to chase us down. Regardless of what the natural circumstances look like. Regardless of what the financial situation looks Thank like. You. Because as Thank his you. sheep Jesus. and as a shepherd, he's going to make sure we're fed. It's about, he's going to take care of our needs, not what we want. Sometimes we get it twisted because we want things and God's saying, no, I'm going to supply your need, not what you want. Right? So he's going to overtake us. He's going to be there. He's going to comfort us. His hands are upon his sheep. Thank right? You. That shepherd is there to protect. And Jesus is the true shepherd. Yes, he is. So we don't have to worry about negative things going on in the world. Right? We don't have to worry about what the news says about this is going to happen. World war, whatever. Doesn't matter. Because the true shepherd is there to protect his sheep. We as a sheep. Thank you. Right? But we have to be obedient to him. Yes. Right? Yes. We, we have to spend time with him. Yes. Right? And again, we have to bear fruit because, like I told somebody this week, and I said it before here, if you're not bearing fruit, you ain't saved. You ain't a Christian. Amen. That's in the Word. Amen. You can go to church all you want to. It don't mean nothing. Amen. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so all the days of my life, and I will dwell, meaning I will abide, mm -hmm. in the house of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Yeah. 
And so if the Lord is truly our shepherd, we must yield to him. Right? We must yield to his ways. We must, and his ways is his word. Right? We can't get caught up in the nonsense. Mm -hmm. Right? And even the nonsense, I didn't forget the world. It's just nonsense in the church today. Yes. Right? So in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be coming on talking about false teaching and, and prophets. And yeah, I'm going to probably name some ministries and some pastors. Yeah. So I know my wife don't want me to do that. But I'm do it, right? So Paul did it. John did it. So we saw I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Psalms 95, we'll close with this. Psalm 95, verse uh, 79. You don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll read it. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, as in the day of, tr of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they saw my work. So let us not harden our hearts with God. Right? Yeah. If the Lord is telling us to do something, let's be obedient as sheep. Right? Because He's not going to lead us down the wrong path. Right? He's going to take care of us as a shepherd. Right? He's He set the example. That's why I read these scriptures about shepherds. Because He set the example because He is loving. Right? He He, he He's loving. He loves us that much. Amen. Right? But He wants us to listen and to be obedient. And that's what the sheep did with the with the shepherds. When it when the shepherd was leading the sheep one way, the sheep will go, right? And when he's calling us, we have to listen, right? We we have to listen to his voice, right? And we can't get caught up in the nonsense of what's going on in the church today. I'm not gonna say the world, the church today, because there's a lot of nonsense going on. Amen. 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 Let, let, let's let let us pray real quick. Let's pray. Amen. Thank you, Father.